You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. It's Thursday, and in these episodes, we focus on one of two things. We'll either be sharing one of our favorite and most actionable talks from a Flip My Funnel event, or you'll hear Sangram and someone from the Terminus team discuss how they're getting better in a specific functional area of Terminus's business. And remember, like Sangram always says, without a community, you are simply a commodity. Here we go. Sangram here. I'm super excited for this series for next 10 Thursdays, guys. Next 10 Thursdays, you're going to hear the sessions that we're played in Arizona at the B2BMX conference. And the reason is we're going to have a similar set of speakers and have all the great experiences that you're about to get a taste of for the next 10 Thursdays in Boston on August 11th and August 12th. We are joining hands with B2BMX and Petovitz Group and Terminus and Flip My Funnel. All of us are coming together and doing this big industry conference where marketing sales are coming together as one team and going to talk about phenomenal results that you and your organization can get. So I hope to see you in Boston on August 11th and 12th. And here's a sneak peek of the type of sessions you can expect at this conference. So here you go. Well, hello. Welcome back, everybody. We have our closing session for today, and it's really exciting. I, I thought that everybody really enjoyed Kelvin's presentation of the account-based program that he's putting together at the top level. And what's most interesting now is this is a continuing continuing story. So what we're going to have is some of the cloud-based marketing organizations and how they're utilizing the assets that Kelvin had put together to go through actual campaigns that have been deployed. And on stage today, we're going to have Lynn Barnett, Senior Director of Elite, uh, Leading and Award-Winning Marketing organization for Oracle's HCM Cloud in North America. And Jung Ah Lee is the Senior Digital Marketing Manager for Oracle Cloud for Finance. And this is being hosted by uh, Corey with Meredith Fuller taking charge of this. So with no further ado, make sure you do some good tweeting, take some good pictures, document this in the app and have some fun. Thanks very much, Mark. And thanks everybody for being here. So as Mark mentioned, and for those of you who were in the earlier session, as Calvin prefaced, we're going to actually show you how the Oracle account-based approach has been brought to life. We have two case studies, and my colleagues Junga and Lynn are going to share the details of the framework and all the different steps that the two different campaigns focusing on two different audience groups with two set different sets of goals and objectives, with two different orchestrations, and actually with two very different timelines. Junga started almost 18 months ago, I think, launched in the market, whereas Lynn's campaign just started uh, or launched and finished just a few weeks ago. You can see the evolution of how the account-based approach has been applied. First, some context. Okay, thank you. So um, Kelvin uh, spoke to how Oracle is approaching account-based strategy globally. I will take you through a case study of account-based um, in a campaign and actually in action. So um, I'll take you through more of like, if you would like to go back from this conference and start doing account-based on your own, um, these, this is, these are the steps that we followed. 
So this might look a little familiar. It's basically the four quadrants of our account-based strategy framework at Oracle, first starting out with target. So target is really a very critical part of um, the strategy and planning. So this is how we select our accounts and contacts that go into the campaign. I'll go into a little bit more about the data and methodology of how we select these accounts and contacts, but um, just know this is the first start of the planning phase. Next is personalized. So once we know which accounts we're going to go after and which personas are within the campaign, we, we want to make sure there is some level of personalization that goes into the messaging and the tactics so um, that the contacts feel that there is some level of personal one-on-one -on -one customization. We're really tailored to their needs and we're delivering a value proposition that meets um, their business needs. Next, orchestration. So account-based marketing, account-based strategy is basically a team sport. So there's always that marketing and sales coordination throughout the campaign from start to finish. So it's not just when you launch the campaign and it's in market and then you're going to inform your sales team, hey, we have this campaign, you might as well you know, follow up on the accounts. Now it really is orchestration from the get-go, um, from the outset, planning with your sales team and making sure you're aligned to their goals and marketing and sales go to market together. Last is measurement. So account-based marketing measurement um, takes measurement down um, to kind of lower funnel. So um, we do look at, you know, certain email or account engagement metrics, but we also look at deal progression. Um, we look at uh, deal velocity. We look at um, total um, amount of the deal. And also we look at opportunity data and we want to understand basically of the accounts that we've touched, are any new opportunities emerging? And so that can show basically the eff efficacy of our campaign on these accounts. So this slide is uh, kind of familiar. Kelvin went through this, but it's basically our predictive intelligence framework or Oracle. I like to refer to it as a trifecta of internal and external data sources. I really, um, really love predictive intelligence at Oracle. I think we're very lucky to have such a strong um, marketing stack and tools and technology to support our campaigns. Um, in the upper left corner, you'll see FIT, which is basically internal propensity models, which help us predict if an account is in market um, and showing kind of a, a, like basically past purchase behavior indicates maybe a future um, fit with your campaign or goal. We also augment fit with external data vendors um, like EverString and Mintigo for you know, machine learning and predictive intelligence. So, um, in the upper right corner is intent. So uh, we work uh, closely with Bombora. Um, we have a direct relationship with Bombora and we are basically um, we are enabled to provide them with 70 target keywords, kind of similar to how you work with SEO. Um, basically, these 70 keywords are, um, are target keywords that show, um, you know, if an account is kind of looking at, you know, keywords that are related to our product. So Bombora will ingest those 70 keywords, load them into their platform, and then start scanning the web to see which accounts are kind of surging with intent. So we can cross-reference that intent data with our target account list to see if any of these accounts are in market, they're surging with intent, they're, they're you know, showing intent to perhaps take an action to buy. Also, discover.org. Um, if any of you are kind of small, S, you know, SMB mid-sized, discover.org um, provides intent data through their platform. Um, I believe that, um, you know, 
Bumboard doesn't doesn't have direct relationships with all companies, but because of the scale of Oracle, we have a direct relationship with them. Um, and also, if you're looking to augment your contact database and you need to either cleanse your contact data or you want to fill in the white space um, because you don't have enough contacts at a certain account, you can work with discover.org to augment your, your data um, and have those account, uh, contacts ingested into your database for use in the campaign. On the bottom is engagement, which is basically um, our measure of an account's engagement with Oracle on oracle.com or our blogs. It's basically really great for um, install base um, accounts with Oracle because those are our customers, people that do business with us already. And if they're engaging in, let's say, um, migration to the cloud content or benefits of moving to the cloud, that, that's kind of signaling that they're, they're ready to move from an on-premise to a cloud solution. So we can use that data to effectively score them into a campaign that would be about um, positioning Oracle's cloud offerings. And then all these three together um, in the center of this Venn diagram in the bullseye is your ICP or your ideal customer profile. And that's basically your cream of the crop accounts that are really showing strength in all three data sources. So once you get all those data sources you know, together, you can really start to prioritize and know that your account selection is backed in actual data. So I'll take you through tail number one as a one campaign unifying two cloud offerings. So the um, the campaign uh, covered the finance pillar and the human resources um, pillar, both for the cloud offerings. So the campaign goals are basically number one, migrate existing on-premises, on-premise customers to the cloud. That's priority number one at Oracle. We have a huge install base, as Kelvin mentioned. We want to get all of those customers into the cloud. So we have a lot of runway. We want to be activating our campaigns to target our existing customer base and get everybody into the cloud. Number two, we wanted to get our account-based flywheel turning. I was like you. I attended these conferences. I started observing other people's campaigns, and I took it back to work, started ideating with my peers, and we came up with this concept for this campaign, which I'll show you. Um, and it's basically a pilot, you know, taking just some of these account-based strategies and then putting into action. So target, um, you know, target and list development is a very intensive process. It can, I have worked on projects where a list took six months. Um, but for, for the purpose of this presentation, I um, wanted to, to distill it down to five easy steps to kind of put a sort of architecture and framework in place to help people figure out how to get from kind of pie in the sky to an actual target and account and contact list. So in this campaign, we actually took... Um, a list of accounts from sales that align to a specific sales play. So we um, wanted to make sure we were targeting an account list that sales also wanted to go after. Next, we wanted to use, utilize our predictive intelligence frameworks. So we took that list, had it um, um, adjusted into our model, our predictive models, and then started to apply um, the PI data to get a, a little more insights into what these accounts are, are doing and if, and if we think they're the right fit for this campaign. Also with PI, we can do lookalike modeling and, um, you know, uh, augment the list, not only with the accounts that sales has gone after, but then supplement a similar accounts that might be showing signals that we, we need to be including these in the campaign. Um, third, so once we have that PI data and we're starting to get these insights, we want to uh, start to segment and um, tier these accounts because it's not like a one size fits all approach to um, accounts. You want to segment your list on maybe like a high touch segment and then maybe, you know, a broader segment. So you, you can spend your money in different ways and, and prioritize accounts based on what you see in the data. 
Then once you have your account list, you can go, we go into our internal database. Kelvin mentioned our data lake, CXD, um, and look for titles and contacts within those accounts. For this campaign, we chose five titles um, per pillar and uh, per account. So um, we, you know, basically are starting to go down to the contact level. We chose um, like director above, VP finance, CFO, CHRO, that sort of thing. And then if you have, uh, you know, lack of contact coverage um, in your list, you can always go out to third party vendors like discover.org, Leadspace, Aberdeen. There's there's a ton of vendors here that that work in that space and they're great for, you know, either contact data cleansing or um, just providing you with accounts that you didn't know you, you know, you didn't have. So you've probably seen this pyramid diagram many times, you know, displaying the kind of architecture of how you can go about account-based one-to-one, one-to-few, one-to-many. So for this campaign, we decided to go one-to-many with 4,500 contacts. And then based on engagement with the email of the campaign, we segmented to one-to-few, which went into a high-touch track with 250. This is the campaign ecosystem of uh, Wave 1, and it basically shows that there are five emails in the, the cadence, and there's also one direct mail letter. So we actually printed physical letters and FedEx them out to these contacts to insert a little bit of um, D out direct mail into this campaign. And it was, uh, these emails were anchored in a high value content asset, which is an MIT report, um, which is about uh, cl the cloud's new power partnership, HR and finance. Also the content was um, provided like case studies, um, and other relevant content. And then there was always a persistent ability for anybody that received the email to phone or chat. And then in the, the fourth um, email there, you'll see a video and I'll go into a little bit more depth about how personalized we, you know, the personalization of this video. Um, but you see it here in this, in this cadence of this ecosystem. And then the um, upper right, you can see the landing page. It has personalization of the first name. And then there's also the mobile response responses site as well. So as I mentioned before, we did video personalization. We worked with our agency, Corey. Um, they created this beautiful um, video that um, delivered the marketing message of the campaign. And then we worked through Corey to, um, to white space use of, of this vendor, Vidyard. So Vidyard, if, you, if you're familiar with them, they're like a video personalization um, company. And we basically took our account and contact list and personalized the videos so that um, when you open the video, your first name and your company name populated within the video itself. So it was a custom made video from start to scratch. And then there was that name and company name personalization within the actual video. So the user would receive an email, click on the email, get to the landing page, play their video, which was basically personalized for them. So this is the high touch segment. So I mentioned before we selected the most engaged into high touch. And for them, we, we provided them with this Sony Bluetooth speaker, um, which was um, kind of like a, a, like a gift, but a little bit nicer than we might have given to like a broad campaign. And what's really great about this, um, this direct mail gift is that the wrapper is custom designed by Corey. Um, into this like beautiful packaging. So we like basically had this custom packaging made. And then on the reverse side, we have a note to the, to the contact um, again. So personally addressing them, delivering the campaign message, and then having a signature from their actual account rep. 
So we were able to um, align each account and contact to their sales manager at Oracle and then custom print them on every single one of these packaging pieces and deliver them out through FedEx. So, um, you know, it was kind of a big undertaking to get these all through FedEx, but it definitely was um, worth it. I think it's kind of impactful when you receive something nice like this in the mail. So this is representing wave two. So wave two is basically our 2.0 version of the campaign because once the initial came campaign went out, we were getting a lot of requests from sales to add more accounts. And so we wanted a vehicle to send more accounts into the campaign. And we also were starting to get a lot of data insights on campaign performance. So we were thinking, what could we do better next time? What could we optimize? One of the insights that we um, you know, thought of was basically that email as a barrier to entry was a little bit difficult. Um, email wasn't really breaking through the clutter of our high-level CFO or VP of finance or CHRO. So we really decided we needed to kind of downplay the email and up-level the direct mail. So you can see here, there's um, basically an additional direct mail. This is an Oracle-branded Bluetooth tracker. Um, there's an email. And then we decided to take the personalized video out of email because we felt like it was kind of hidden in email. And because email wasn't getting through and there's just too many emails that people get, we decided we want to take it out of the digital environment and put it into an actual physical um, direct mail piece. So this is a booklet that you physically like open up. And when, when you open up the booklet, your video plays. So this is the personalized video again um, in this in this booklet. And on the left-hand side is a personal note, um, marketing messaging, and it's signed by their associated sales manager. And after we um, sent these out through FedEx, we um, scheduled a bunch of enablement calls with sales and let them know, hey, we're, we're passing the baton off to you. Now's your time to reach out. Please call them. Please send them a LinkedIn email. This is your time to activate on these accounts. Okay, so orchestration with sales um, is a really key component. As I mentioned earlier, it's it's not sufficient to just inform them at the launch of your campaign that this is in market. It really starts from the planning and strategy phase at the outset. It's really important to get sales executive alignment. It's it's important to check in with sales throughout all your kind of journey towards launch because some accounts may end up having a deal on the table and they they might say, please don't send anything to this account now because we're actually actively working on an opportunity. And so it doesn't really look good if, if marketing is still kind of generating, you know, leads from this account that, you know, they're ready to close on. So there's always that need for constant communication with sales. Um, and, and, also, throughout the whole campaign and after launch, we're like monitoring CXD, our internal database. So we're looking at these accounts over time. We took a kind of a snapshot of what the um, account looked like before the campaign to get a baseline. And then after the campaign launched, we were constantly monitoring the data to see if any new opportunities had emerged. And if a new opportunity had emerged in one of our targeting accounts, we would then follow up with sales, say, hey, here's the campaign. This is what we did. You know we're seeing a new opportunity emerge in the data. Um, would you be willing to add our campaign code for attribution and so that we can continue doing more campaigns like this in the future? So this is an email that I wrote to Corey, uh, the agency we partnered with, and it was after wave two. Um, I sent them a note saying we had 5 million in gen marketing generated pipeline on the campaign, and I was excited to get wave three underway. Um, by the end of the campaign, after wave three, this was measured in May of 2018, um, we bumped up to 9.5 million in generated um, pipeline. And we originally had forecasted eight to 10 million. So uh, I was very happy. We actually made, you know, made forecast. And, uh, 
And with that, I will hand it off back to Meredith to introduce our next presenter. Thanks, Jenna. Thank you. So as Jenna explained, that particular campaign looked at one to many and one to few. It was focused on current customers. The campaign that we're now going to share is focused on a different audience, new logo, and it's specifically on one to few. So with that, thanks. Thank you. All right. So we had a campaign that was focused on greenfield accounts. And for us, we wanted to make sure we were innovative when we reached out to these folks. We wanted to make sure we were personalized. But if you were here for Kelvin's segment and you saw some of the slides from Junga, one-to-one -one is a lot of effort, right? So we needed to figure out how to personalize at scale. I just don't have that big of a team. And then thirdly, we wanted to make sure we showcased Oracle. We wanted to showcase our brand. We wanted to showcase our footprint in the different industries that we were focused on. And then, of course, our fabulous Oracle HCM solution. The second thing we wanted to do was we wanted to open doors for our salespeople. So in the reach out that we had, we wanted to make sure that we painted a vision and I painted a vision for these folks on leveraging our Oracle technology and what it could do for them. And hopefully this had some emotional hook or it really grabbed their attention. So when the sales folks called in, they would take the phone call, they would set up a meeting, and then these sales folks could build a relationship. And thirdly, and most importantly, we needed to drive pipeline, right? Whether that is new pipeline or if there were particular companies that were had a deal in motion, but it had stalled, some of those folks were in this program as well. So I think you've heard this a couple of times, but for us, close collaboration with the sales was key. We started very early in the process. We worked with these folks throughout the process and then also at the end. And you'll see that in the, in the next couple of slides. What we wanted to do is not have marketing like this. Now, all of us who have been demand gen marketers know you do some activities, you generate some leads, you hand it off to the sales guys, and they continue on down the track. You have very little input into their deal cycle or their race here, and you just hope they get to the finish and they close a deal. So we didn't want our program to be like that. We wanted it to be more like this. We wanted it to be a team sport. We wanted to work with these folks and develop a strategy and work with them up and down the field to get them set up to get the best possible shot at the goal. So this is how we wanted to run our program. So you've seen this set of steps. Junga explained it in her program, and my team was actually part of her program. So we did have some learnings from that. And as Kelvin said, we've run several pilots. So we just try to learn and optimize as we go along. And in our program, we actually changed up a couple things. So we've talked a lot about PI, predictive intelligence. What my team did is they actually went to the predictive intelligence first and pulled the, num the, the accounts, the potential accounts that could be in this program. Then we took that list to sales and we said, these are the accounts that appear, you know, based on the engagement, the fit and the intent to be good targets for this Greenfield program. And Greenfield at Oracle means in my case, that there's no Oracle HCM footprint. They could have other Oracle solutions, but in my case, Greenfield is no HCM solution. So we took that to them. They took a look at the, at the accounts and they, and we worked together to prioritize the list. And then we went with them and said, look, we don't just want to target 
one or two HR people. What we really want to understand is what does the buying unit look like? Who's involved in making this decision? Because we want to put all of those folks in our contact set. So we had a buying unit this time. Then we did help them you know, fill out the contacts, make sure we'd been to LinkedIn and all the other stuff to make sure all the data was correct before we headed out on the program. So we ended up with 109 accounts, about 384, about 384 contacts, 384 contacts, and uh, that averaged out to about three to four contacts per account. So the message that we are trying to get out, as I've said, my team is responsible for HCM Cloud. So we're very focused on the HR persona. So the message we're trying to get out to these folks is really leaning in on people are important message. The future of any company is with its people. And it's people is an expensive resource. It is difficult to find, retain, engage these employees throughout their life cycle. It's a it's a big business. It's a difficult business. And we understand that the HR people are the people people. So we wanted to speak to these people and be very personalized in our message and our imagery and the other other gifts that we gave. So this is our campaign the entire campaign. You can see we used email, direct mail. We had several sales touches. And then our Hail Mary at the end is if we got no engagement, we used the chat bot or Conversica as a, as a way to reach out to folks. And you'll see a couple things I want to explain. So first, the, double, the sales touches. We had a double touch, a triple touch. These were scripted touches for these sales folks to reach out to folks. We helped them with LinkedIn messages, we helped them with scripted calls, scripted emails. I mean, we had the whole kit and caboodle for these guys. And then the, the gifts, we also had different gifts by persona. And we also had images by persona. So, for example, in the, the gift delivery uh, number three, the, every executive, the highest level executive in every account got this science of storybook, which is, we already had this session about social storytelling, right? So this is a book about storytelling and storytelling to your employees. It also happens to have, uh, I think it's a chapter written by one of our HCM transformer transformation folks, Pamela Stroko. And so in the book, there is a bookmark, which is the call to action, which says you can have a session with Pamela Stroko and you can hear about the science of story and how you might implement it or strategize uh, about doing something like that in your company. So that went to all the executives and then the other folks, like I said, there's three to four contacts per campaign. So the other folks either got the coffee pot or the echo cube and there was some AB testing there. So we were trying to figure out, does somebody like an echo cube better or a coffee pot better? So we did a little AB testing there as well. And the other, what we think is the hero of the campaign was that second direct mail, which had a handwritten note from sales with some candy. And if you took a meeting with the salesperson, then we brought along a customized candy jar. So between Meredith and I, we're going to walk through how we personalized at scale. We have the landing page, we have an asset, and we have an email. So here's the landing page, and you can see that we have the images here. So we did things that you would expect to see. We had their first name. We had their company name. The images were based off of their uh, industry as well as their persona. 
And the content in the middle was focused on their industry and also the Bombora topics that they were they were surging on at the time that we rolled this out. And then at the bottom, there were customer videos, customer success videos. So if you were a retailer, they, they were retail. Mm -hmm. oh, I guess I so just to dive a little bit more deeply on, on personalizing based upon message. If you see down the uh, right-hand side there where it says body copy, personalized by account, vertical, and topic, it was that topic personalization that really took things, I think, to the next level in terms of delivering something that was very relevant, very timely, and very meaningful. How we did that at the back end is we ran a Bombora surge report. And what we had done was we'd actually taken the value propositions for the HCM Oracle Cloud product and mapped those to key topics or search terms within the Bombora ta taxonomy. So when we determined that an account was surging on a particular set of terms that matched to a particular set of value propositions, we then uploaded that data into the CXD that Oracle has, and then using a custom data object within Eloqua that we'd created, we made sure that the topic actually changed based upon the topic that the account was surging on. So if it showed us the Bombora information, their surge report showed us that they were most interested in retention, the message within the copy of that particular email or that particular landing page would swap to show them a message that was most relevant to retention. And I think that this is sort of where personalization is going. I think having, you know, name change or name inserted account um, or, uh, you know, enterprise organization name inserted, those sorts of things are becoming table stakes. I think personalization and where it's been really exciting to see Oracle uh, taking personalization is this level of timely relevance. So what is most important to to that account, what is most important to those people? What are the challenges and, and ideas or topics they're leaning forward on? And then serving up content that responds specifically to that. All right, I think the next Sorry. one is the asset. Oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> forgot the build topics. <laughs> yeah. All right, and then the third piece of dynamic, uh, di dynamicization, I don't think that's a word. <laughs> Okay. The third piece we did a lot of changing on with content is the assets. So we had created, my team had created a horizontal asset. So it was specifically about HR. It was not specific to an industry or anything like that. And there were certain places along the way that we changed things up. So in this case, the image, this is for healthcare, obviously. This, and so we changed up the image on it. And then you can see that there's a, a subheader line that speaks about Oracle HCM in healthcare. And you can see there are some different headlines there as far as, uh, and images there. And the same other things like first name, company name, et cetera, were on there. Then this one here. So what we did though, is we, again, we took it another step forward. And when they actually got inside the ebook itself, on one of the internal pages, again, we'd put in the personalized by business name and personalized by vertical images, etc. But we actually built a program at the back end that took a screen cap of the account's homepage, the landing page on their website, and actually showed that within the uh, image of the desktop computer. So if you think about somebody receiving this experience, they've received a very personalized email gone to a very personalized landing page, and now they're into an asset itself, which again has been further personalized to really demonstrate that Oracle is keen on you, keen on understanding what you're dealing with, understanding everything about you, and has taken the time to try to deliver an experience that is all about you. Mm -hmm. 
And then the final piece of that content that we personalized was the last page, which had the sales rep's picture on it, all their contact information, and a signature. All right, so how did we roll out the, the red carpet for our sales folks? We, as I said before, we brought the initial list to them. So we were talking to this, early, this the folks early. Then we built the campaign and we went out and we uh, evangelized this to the set of folks that were involved in this. We did a couple of campaign trainings and fielded a lot of one-off emails as you can imagine, <laughs> tried not to do too many of them, right? We had office hours and things like that, but you know, one-off emails do come. We did a lot of reminding. So, hey, the email is going to go out on Tuesday or the email is going to go out tomorrow. And so make sure that you have set some time to follow up on Thursday with your double touch, with your LinkedIn in-mail or your call script or whatever it was. And we also said, hey, you know, we're about ready to send out the direct mail piece. We'll let you know when it's been signed for. Then we'll tell you when it's signed for. And then you, you can follow up with your, with your contact. So we did a lot of engagement there. And then also we have a dashboard. So we were watching as they're opening stuff up and if they're looking at different pieces of content. So anytime something like that happened, we would package that up and we would ship it off to the sales rep so that, so that they could see the engagement that their contacts were having. So do you wanna know if we scored some goals? All right, drum roll please. First of all, qualitative feedback. We probably have 15, 20 comments that look like this, right? They were very excited about the program. It opened doors for folks that couldn't get in. It helped progress deals that uh, folks may have stalled. And it gave them some ideas on certainly follow up things that they could use with other customers in their sales cycles. And then we also had a goal of $5 million. So, oh, you were eight to 10, I was five. But luckily for us, we hit six. I just checked a little while ago, we are still there. And so that, and again, as, as Meredith said, this, this campaign just completed at the end of January. So things are still working through the pipeline, but nothing is, nothing is closed yet and nothing is lost yet. So. We're still good at six million. And then we also looked at our agency ROI. So what this means is for every dollar that we spent with Quarry, we got $38 in pipeline. So I feel like that's a that's a good investment of our money. Or poor pricing on our yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. And then we just had a couple of things here. So two very different accounts. Again, Greenfield versus current customers, you know, one to many going up to one to few and just one to few different products and solutions, different orchestration. But again, all going back to that framework that Calvin and then uh, Junga shared with you at the beginning. So we wanted to take a few moments, actually, to ask a few questions of the presenters. And so I'm going to ask, starting with you, Lynn, what was the biggest lesson that you learned, do you think, going through this campaign? I think our biggest one was to make sure we were integrated with sales early on in the process. I said, you know, you there were a lot of things that we did with sales, but really keeping them in the loop and having them buy in from the beginning really helped us get this campaign through. And Jenga, how about you? Um, I think I mentioned earlier um, relying less on email and and thinking of other ways to you know get in touch with your contacts like direct mail. Um, also having a wave uh, structure to your campaign, so you're kind of like spreading your campaign out, out over time, adding more accounts. 
as they emerge and then basically kind of averaging down your cost basis on the initial investment. So once you do the strategy and the creative and the planning and the messaging, just extend it to more accounts because every time you do, you have more chance of delivering pipeline, close one business, um, and your upfront costs have already been paid. So executing again and again on the same strategy and creative and messaging is only going to deliver pipeline and your costs are going to be probably like 25% of your initial campaign. So what would you do differently? Let's start with you this time, Jenna. Um, now that we are a little more advanced um, or some time has gone by and other things have emerged, um, you know, at the time that I ran my pilot, um, we didn't really have like SCR or BDC alignment to pick up kind of um, the ball from us. And it's, it's kind of difficult to get sales to follow up and reach out. So now um, it's further down and we have um, new platforms that we're using. One is Conversica. It's a virtual AI assistant. Uh, basically, we can enable the platform to reach out to these accounts and contacts um, automatically. And we can custom create our own messaging and have it reach out to any leads that surface um, and then deliver hot leads to BDCs. So now that we have other tools and we have this AI platform, I think I would deploy that um, for follow-up. Sounds good. Well, I've got two things. The first thing is we would bunch up the sales touches into a couple of bucketed places. We, as you can see, we had them several places. That was a lot of work. <laughs> so I would say we would bucket them into yeah. a couple of strategic places, number one. And number two is we did work directly with the reps, but I think on a second round, we would definitely make sure that we educated all the way up the management chain because what we found out is reps change jobs, reps leave the company. And from the beginning of this campaign to the end, we just wanted to make sure there was follow-up on what we were doing. And uh, so we we would definitely make sure that we did more of the man management chain. Makes sense. And finally, what's next? What's next on your AB journey, Len? Uh, oh, my AB journey. Uh, so <laughs> I think we did one of the things that we didn't do with this one that I think we would like to do in the future is more digital, uh, digital focus on it. So maybe some paid search and mm -hmm. advertising, native things like that. We didn't do any of that stuff here. So we, I think we would definitely be looking at that. And then just like different ways to do things like a customized path of videos. If you click here, you go this right. way. If you click here, you go that way. So something that seemed, you know, still personalized, still personalized at scale, but more interactive. Sure. Great. Jonga. Um, so we are typically very focused on generating pipeline at Oracle. And this campaign was really focused on that. But what I'd like to work on um, is the deal progression. So basically once um, an account has um, created an opportunity, um, we have uh, basically probabilities assigned, like 10, 20, 30, 40% probability. Um, and there's not a lot of focus and kind of nurturing of those um, opportunities within that 10 to 30% range. Mm -hmm. And I think there's more that we can do to focus on these accounts after an opportunity has been generated and pipeline has been logged to kind of help progress these accounts further down to uh, one business um, and, you know, not just kind of ignore them once we generate the pipeline. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Let's give a huge round of applause. What a great presentation. Amazing. We're going to have, um, we probably have another five or ten minutes. We could take some questions. But I was going to, um, first of all, compliment you. I thought it was like really intelligent and, and I thought it was great how 
the conversation started from the strategy and worked down to the results of all of the work there. So really amazing job, you guys. And, and you know, what I'm hearing in the presentation is really advanced relative to a lot of programs. So, uh, Corey, great job. Oracle, amazing. Okay. I saw a hand over here. Is there a question? Oh, no question. There's a fake hand raising. Oh, here's one. Hi, thank you so much um, for the awesome presentation. Um, just a quick question. You mentioned that um, when you were talking with sales that you were going to alert them on the shipment no notification and those types of things. You're not actually going in in FedEx and tracking that. Are you? I'm assuming you're using some sort of software to that's like alerting you and that's alerting the account executive or... I can't imagine that you guys are well, tracking them. <laughs> no, we, we do have a, a department that will package things up and ship them. And actually, Quarry's worked with them to make sure that they package the stuff right. And it looks it's a good personalized experience when when it comes out of the box. But we still I mean, they would send us a list of the tracking numbers and then we'd go off an email. There were. 35, 40 reps in here across the account. So we went in and emailed them. Here's your tracking number. Here's who, yeah. Not we, I should say one of my people did. <laughs> but yeah. There are options though in the marketplace. Um, True. Look at yes, the PFL so and things like that, where they can take that information that and be put it back in the automation system <laughs> to trigger from there. You know, You're I had welcome. a question. So it will have take more questions here too. But uh, first, how do you determine what types of projects to bring to the agency? And I, I, the background of the question is that, um, you know, I think fundamentally there's a lot of technology around this account-based environment, but strategy seems to be one of those elements that oftentimes gets left behind. Do you have any context around how you make the decision for projects to bring agencies in? I, I can take that. So um, I think that Kelvin met someone at Quarry at a, at a different conference and we saw, I know what conference it is, I'm not going to mention it, <laughs> but um, we, uh, they basically met and started kind of like thinking about how we could do account based. And they had an example of uh, another company um, that they worked on. And, and I think um, we sort of got inspired by what we saw and, and said, hey, we kind of want to try this out and pilot it at Oracle as well. Um, so it was kind of like a creative inspiration. Um, and, you know, meeting each other here at these conferences and connecting, there's so many great vendors and, and agencies. And, you you know, it's I feel like there's such a high bar of who you interact with at these conferences. So like, if you actually just talk to somebody, you're going to you're going to be amazed at how much, you know, how deep they are in account-based. I'll just add to that. I, th I think one of the things we, we've done with you guys is like, we have a problem. <laughs> we need to get a hold of these guys. These are some of the things we want to do. Can you brainstorm with us to figure out how we can put something together uh, in our uh, budget, right? And uh, what would be unique and interesting? So I think ours has been a conversation. Here, here's what we want to do. You know, let, let's talk about it. Thank you. Good question. You had said um, sometimes a list can take just six months. So I was just wondering how long this these campaigns took from start to finish, um, kind of ramp them up and then. Yeah. Yeah, the list that took six months was actually a Greenfield list and not a list of our accounts, but a list of our competitors' accounts. That required a lot of predictive intelligence through multiple vendors, validation. So that's why it took six months. Um, this list probably took like three or four. Um, and it would probably, 
be less now that I know how to do it. But at the time <laughs> I was just figuring it out as I was going along. Um, and that was, that was the most challenging aspect of the campaign for me was, was basically the list. Um, so a lot of people struggle with list development in general. Well, list development is also difficult because people change addresses or they don't go into the office or all that kind of stuff. So if you're sending direct mail pieces or two direct mail pieces, you've got to make sure that list is right. So it's really combing through the details and double and triple checking what you're doing because, you know, you just you don't you don't want to get it wrong. or You don't want to ship it to a place where they where they never get it because then you've wasted your time and money. So. It does. T- it takes a while to get it right. Super. We have another question. Yeah, just uh, uh, kind of on that same point. Um, for the people you sent stuff to, were those people you kind of had a sense they were somewhat engaged, or was it pretty cold? Like, had they been to a webinar, they opened an email, any of that kind of stuff? Was it cold? And then the follow-up question is: Are there any kind of key takeaways? from what you just described in terms of just job titles that weren't working or functions that weren't working or, or whatever? Like, did, is there kind of any, I don't know, magic bullets for lack of a better expression? <laughs> if there were magic bullets, I wouldn't be up here. <laughs> no, there aren't, there aren't any magic bullets, really. I mean, really, you just, it, I, it, the message has to resonate, number one, right? So, you, that's why we're trying to be really creative in our in the way we're approaching things to you know get that emotional hook or or to capture them right. So that's that's definitely number one. I forgot the first question though. What, the, you asked me if they'd been engaged prior to. Oh yeah. So we use the predictive the intelligence. There are a lot of there's a lot of modeling going on in that predictive intelligence framework. So it definitely told us you know, who looks like you or if the company is out, you know, searching for particular topics that that are HR related. So we were using those kinds of things to tell us that these guys weren't actually just, you know, Rumpelstiltskin sleeping over here. Right. They were actually out and looked like they were good candidates for uh, for that. Yeah. So this is a question for Meredith. Lynn sort of touched on this about other digital channels out there to engage, maybe paid digital channels. Question if you've got any experience with clients in doing that when you're trying to reach 300, 500, a small set of people, you know, are there these paid or digital channels that are effective in that hyper-targeting? Yeah, there can be. I mean, I think in terms of um, if you're thinking about inbound channels generally from a targeting standpoint, you know, your paid social, LinkedIn in particular, is probably the one that comes to top or comes top of mind most often just because you can, you know, narrow in based upon account, based upon role, those sorts of things. So that's probably one of the best ways um, to get to very targeted folks when you're thinking about an account-based play. Um, you know, we've done campaign where we've done some geo-targeting, so um, where we've had, say, a headquarter address and we've geo-targeted ads around that particular address, making sure then that, you know, there's as little waste as possible because we focused in on that way. So there are ways absolutely to use inbound. Um, you know, there's in Blue Kai, other ad serving technologies for sure are getting really smart and sophisticated about getting the ads to those particular accounts. So 
great way to supplement your campaign. Um, and I think that would be my observation generally with inbound. Inbound probably is a, is a complement to what you're doing. Supplements, you know, increases awareness, sort of, you know, registers on the subconscious of folks because they're seeing your ads, your brand, or what have you. Um, but it really is a lot of those outbound touches, I think, that are going to move the needle the farthest, the fastest. So if you have budget to surround with targeted inbound, that's terrific. Um, but I think you definitely need that outbound play as well as part of an account-based program. That helps. I think these ladies need another round of applause. This is really fantastic. Great job. Thank you. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.